Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Anti-corruption crusader, private citizen, Norman Traversy is here in Hour One. He's taking on the judicial system and the prime minister, and he's launching a private prosecution case against Justin Trudeau and several of his advisors, alleging obstruction of justice and conspiracy to obstruct justice stemming from the SNC-Lavalin affair back in February of 2019. Norman has become quite the folk hero. Uh, Perhaps you've seen recent uh, YouTube videos where he's been interviewed on Parliament Hill. Uh, When I heard about Norman and what he's doing, I thought it was time for this story to go mainstream. And I think it's, it's very important that you hear what he has to say and that he should be afforded a mainstream broadcast platform. Coming up in Hour 2, Dr. Jerome Corsi will be here. Jerome, you may recall, was caught up in the Robert Mueller investigation of Russian collusion, and he was indicted for lying to the FBI along with Roger Stone. Jerome refused to plead guilty for a lesser sentence, and the charges were not pursued after the Mueller investigation wrapped up, concluding there was, in fact, no Russian collusion. Uh, Jerome uh, later filed a federal lawsuit accusing Robert Mueller, the special investigator, of illegally searching his phone records and leaking grand jury information. Attorneys for uh, Jerome demanded $100 million in general compensatory damages and $250 million in punitive damages from Mueller, the Justice Department, the National Security Agency, the FBI, and the CIA. He now has a new ebook out called The Plan to Remove Donald Trump from the Presidency, and he'll be here in Hour 2 to discuss this attempted coup d'etat. Before we get rolling, registration is now open for my live web conference on digital consciousness, and that's happening Thursday, July the 9th, from 10.30 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern. Digital Consciousness, featuring Jim Elvidge, the author of The Universe Solved and Digital Consciousness, A Transformative Vision. This is an exclusive web conference with limited access. We're only admitting 100 people. It'll take place via Zoom. You can go to strangeplanet.ca and under Events and Appearances, click on Web Conferences. All the details are there and the link to register. Again, Thursday, July 9th from 10.30 p.m. to 12 a.m. Eastern. Digital Consciousness with yours truly, along with author Jim Elvidge, strangeplanet.ca. And under Events and Appearances, click on Web Conferences. All the details are there. There's a link to register. And there's also a Frequently Asked Questions section to help you with any technical issues you may have using Zoom. I also want to mention that my new free Conspiracy Unlimited app for iOS devices is now available in the App Store. This means you can now stream Conspiracy Unlimited from your mobile device. And for Conspiracy Unlimited Plus members, you can stream premium content from your mobile device as well. The Conspiracy Unlimited app for Android users is coming very, very soon. Stay tuned. This is a powerful story, one you're not likely to hear about or read about in the mainstream media in this country. 
Norman Traversy is a retired firefighter living in Ottawa who decided to take on what he sees as rapid corruption in government and in the courts in this country. He's launched a private prosecution case against the Prime Minister, and he's starting to attract the attention and support of retired RCMP officers and others, and I think you're going to want to pay special attention this hour to what Norman has to say and what he's trying to do. Norman Traversy, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? I am swell. How are you? Terrific. Let's take a few minutes to introduce you to my listeners. Some of them may have seen some of your YouTube videos that have gone viral. Some people may be very familiar with the work that you're doing. Others may never have heard of you before. Let's begin by introducing you to my listeners. I was a Mississauga firefighter, and I'm proud to say I was a good one. I got injured several times on the job, a number of concussions. I had a fallen through a floor in a fire, and I also had a roof collapse on my head. Ended up with uh, permanent spinal damage. And uh, they put me in public education in the fire department. So I was still in the fire department, but I wasn't fighting fires. And uh, that was a good job. And 14 years ago, I was driving down the road to uh, go to work, and I came across a truck wreck. And it was a truck on its side, a fully loaded gravel truck, lying on its side in the ditch, leaking fuel. And after a couple of attempts, I managed to rescue the guy, the driver. Uh, He didn't have a scratch on him. He had dropped his cell phone. He was trying to pick it up, and that's why he drove off the road. And I was injured, re-injured my spinal injury, rescuing the guy, and went home, called the fire department, told them what had happened, and saw my doctor a couple of days later. And she uh, said, you've re-injured your back injury and gave me painkillers, told me to stay home. And uh, the fire chief called WSIB, Workplace Safety Insurance Board, because I'd applied for uh, benefits after being injured. And he said I was no longer a real firefighter and that he didn't expect his people to perform rescues off duty because I was driving to work. I was in uniform, has 25 years experience as a firefighter. And I rescued someone from a truck wreck, and they threw me under the bus. In other words, the fire chief interceded and didn't want you to receive workers' comp because you were officially off-duty, even though you were on your way to work, you were in uniform, and you rescued someone. What difference would it have made to him if you would receive workers' compensation? Um, Because the city of Mississauga, I think they're called the Level 1, they uh, directly pay workers' compensation uh, rather than the board pay it. And uh, after a few months, I wanted to come back to work, and they wouldn't let me and because I, I was a witness in a sexual harassment complaint. A woman that I worked with was being harassed, and she asked if I would uh, you know, tell the investigation about uh, what I'd witnessed, and I said I would. And uh, that investigation never took place, and... <laughs> That's why they they wanted me gone. After 14 months off work without any income, I was living off the equity in my house. They finally let me come back to work, and I was escorted to a little four-foot-by-five-foot cubicle, and they put a shower curtain across it because I had PTSD. That was their solution for a firefighter with PTSD, was uh, humiliate him with a shower curtain. And they had a professionally-made sign 
that I still have that said, Norman Travers is a caged animal. I complained to my union, the union boss. He said, what do you care? You're getting paid every two weeks. After uh, three months of this treatment, the city's doctor told me to stay home, that I was getting my PTSD was getting worse because of this treatment. And so they fired me. And uh, now I'm a man on a mission. Guess what was it last August? I saw a video of uh, Brenda Lucky, new commissioner of the RCMP, and she was wearing her red serge uniform and saluting, and there were Mounties behind her, and they were all saluting. And while she was saluting, Justin Trudeau walked up to her, gave her a hug, and kissed her on both cheeks. He does that a lot. (laughs) I thought, what contempt this man has for the person and for the office. Let me just stop you there. So after being fired from the Mississauga Fire Department, were you eligible for a pension? <laughs> they, because I'd uh, done legal action against the city, OMERS, the Ontario Municipal Employee Retirement Savings Fund, refused to release my pension because I had taken legal action. And there was a, a major battle about that. I eventually got a payout. Uh, I don't have a pension. And uh, they got rid of me <laughs> because... Well, one, I rescued someone while I was on my way to work, and apparently I should have driven right by. My life would be completely different if I had, but that's unthinkable. It's also against the law, against the Highway Traffic Act, to uh, drive by an accident without rendering all possible help. Right. In any case, uh, I thought this country is so corrupt through and through. It's corrupt on every level of government, and seeing Trudeau did what he did, and the whole SNC Lavaland, Jody Wilson-Raybould affair. And I thought the RCMP is not going to investigate. I actually went to RCMP headquarters and wrote them a letter about the uh, corruption and SNC Lavaland, and uh, they refused to investigate. Okay, let me just stop you there because we need to explain what the SNC Lavaland affair is all about. And so, yeah. SNC Lavaland, this big Quebec-based engineering company was charged with, I guess, bribing Libyan officials in Libya. That's correct. And so they were going to be prosecuted under Canadian, under federal law. And it is alleged that the prime minister or some of his officials interceded on SNC-Lavalin's behalf and pressured then-Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould to drop the charges, ostensibly to save Canadian jobs, right? Uh, Jody Wilson, well, one, uh, they were also bribing Gaddafi's sons in Montreal. Uh, I think they spent over a million dollars on liquor and prostitutes and uh, also bought uh, them a yacht, SNC-Lavalin did. And uh, when you do that, that's called human trafficking. So it also occurred in Canada. Uh, The Office of the Prosecutor, uh, who works with Jody Wilson-Raybould, recommended that charges be laid. And Jody Wilson-Raybould went along with the recommendation given to her, and then she was pressured by Trudeau and by Butts and others to drop the whole thing, as Trudeau said, to save jobs. So that's okay if it's going to save Quebec jobs. Not only was she pressured, she was fired. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Now, So that's a little more than pressure. And so that's correct. And then the, the status of this is that the, the ethics commissioner 
at the time, Dion, said that these actions by Trudeau and his officials had violated Section 9 of the Conflict of Interest Act. I think you mentioned that Raybould was fired. She was later fired, but she first she resigned as Attorney General, and also uh, former Treasury Board President Jane Philpott also resigned, and then they were both uh, kicked out of uh, caucus. That's correct. Right. And there were also uh, five uh, ex-Attorney Generals, and I think one serving Attorney General, that wrote and said that uh, he should be charged. And his principal secretary, Trudeau's principal secretary, Gerald Butts, resigned from his role, uh, although he later came back. Michael Wernick uh, stepped down as clerk of the Privy Council. So, again, the uh, the Ethics Commissioner, Dion, said there was a conflict of interest here. The RCMP said that they were going to examine the matter. This all happened just weeks before the federal election. What happened, though, was the RCMP's investigation has stalled because they were denied cabinet meeting minutes. Records. Records. Yeah. So that's where we're at right now. So you decided to do what at that point? At that point, I was uh, watching the proceedings, and I thought, this is thoroughly corrupt, and it was uh, Trudeau kissing the, the commissioner of the RCMP that was the last straw for me. And uh, I am a student of history, and I know about the Magna Carta, and the Magna Carta is an ancient document where they got King John at Runnymede to sign that no one, including the king, is above the law. And that is a very uh, powerful document. And I knew about something called a private prosecution. Before they had police forces, uh, individuals were expected to uphold the law. And if necessary, make an arrest, and if necessary, prosecute someone in the name of the king, in the name of the crown. And that's still in effect to this day. I think it's Section 507 of the Criminal Code that enables enables someone to do that. And I invoked that. So I went to Ottawa City Hall. I had drawn up the documents about uh, Justin Trudeau's... uh, corruption and uh, obstruction of justice and uh, also to uh, collude to obstruct justice, conspiracy to obstruct justice. And I wrote that up on uh, the, you know, Ottawa court uh, documents on their forms. I walked down there, walked into the JP's office. This would be late August of last year and uh, handed that over. He says, uh, go for a coffee. Obviously, I've got to have a meeting. And I came back half hour later, and he said, do you swear that everything in this document is true to the best of your knowledge? And I put my hand on the Bible, and I swore. He said, your pre encot hearing is on September the 4th. Okay, just a minute. Let me back up here. So, now this was filed at the Court of Justice in Ottawa? Yes, Ontario Court of Justice. Okay. Explain what pre encot hearing means. Okay, pre means that they're going to decide whether the matter should go forward based on the evidence that I produce. And it is held in camera in that it's just me and a judge and a crown attorney. The accused in this case, Justin Trudeau, he's not required in a private prosecution to be in attendance, correct? That's correct. He doesn't even know about it. Because if they throw it out, then, you know... It's as if it had never happened. And at at that point, after you had filed 
this this motion. Did you have evidence with you for the judge to examine, or or does that come later? No, I did have evidence. Uh, I had uh, a lot of written evidence, and I also had uh, recordings of some of the phone calls that were made to Miss uh, Wilson Raybould, and I had those on thumb drives. And uh, I was there, uh, showed up with my evidence, and I had a witness come with me uh, who had also done successful private prosecutions. This is Gary McHale. I want to talk about him in a second. I just want to get back to the evidence for a minute, uh, Norman. Right. So So we, Gary, okay, Gary had come uh, to Ottawa, and I put him up in a hotel and paid his expenses. And he spent uh, a couple of evenings coaching me because I was a firefighter. I'm not a lawyer. And uh, showing me what evidence to produce, what was valid. And uh, we went to, the, went to the courtroom that we were scheduled to meet at. And we were a half hour early, of course. And they said, oh, the judge is sick today. They only had one judge in the Ottawa courthouse for a matter concerning Justin Trudeau. And uh, they said, uh, your, your next hearing is going to be on October the 7th. And so I got that in writing, October the 7th, uh, room, courtroom 14. Okay, let me just jump in. I want to pick up on some yep. points. So in terms of the evidence, and you said you had several boxes full of evidence, you had thumb drives containing recorded phone calls. All this evidence that you had, this was gathered how? This is, this is evidence that was already in the public eye and in newspapers? Yes, it was all, already in the public eye, a uh, statement given by... Uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould in Parliament on the floor, uh, other documents, the letters from the Attorney Generals, uh, the stuff from the Ethics Commission. Uh, there was part one and part two, uh, because uh, he'd also accepted bribes from the Aga Khan, who then lobbied the Canadian government. And uh, we had evidence, and we just wanted the evidence looked at. Right, and this is and, the same um, evidence that the ethics commissioner would have looked at in rendering his decision that the, the prime minister had violated conflict of interest ethics. So that's correct. So all of this is in a number of boxes. It's given to the uh, the justice of the peace at the court of justice. I just wanted to spend a few minutes now talking about your helper here, Gary McHale. This is a, a political activist. Some people may recall he was involved in the Grand River land dispute. This was in Caledonia, Ontario, where an Aboriginal group were protesting at the uh, Douglas Creek estates that were about to be developed. They claimed it was their land. And uh, Gary McHale uh, was, I guess, trying to get the police to, to shut down the protest. In other words, to do their job. So this is how one of the ways that he sort of gained his notoriety but you say that Gary McHale is considered one of Canada's foremost experts on private prosecutions. That's why you reached out to him, correct? That is correct. I, I didn't know the man. I, I managed to track him down, and he came up from where he lives, which is about a seven-hour drive, and uh, we got along well together, and we were quite confident. And uh, to find out that the judge is sick, and then it was rescheduled for October the 7th, and I brought Gary out again, and uh, we were prepped, even more prepped this time. And uh, we showed up at 9 o'clock for a scheduled 9.30 pre-oncot hearing, room 14 of the Ottawa Courthouse. I also had three other uh, people there for moral support that were interested. 
So there was a group of five of us. I tried the door at nine o'clock. It was locked. Normally, uh, for these things, you put the names of the people involved in the in the hearing. So it should have said Traverse C versus Trudeau on the door, and it didn't. We went to the front desk, and uh, there was no record of it on there either. And uh, I was politely knocking on the door every couple of minutes, and we stood there till after 10 o'clock. And just after 10 o'clock, the doors were unlocked. A group of people went in, and we went in. And I don't know how, but the clerk of the court uh, said, you people will have to leave. And obviously, the, the clerk knew who I was, who I'd never met before. And uh, we went and stood outside the door and waited. Okay, I'm going to jump in and, here, at Norman, because uh, we're going into a break. We'll come back and get to the resolution of this uh, court date in just a moment. Norman Traversy filed a private prosecution case against Prime Minister Justin Trudeau for obstruction of justice and conspiracy to obstruct. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show in just a moment. Where there's smoke... There's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Take a moment and visit my website, strangeplanet.ca. Strangeplanet.ca. It's been completely redesigned. It's much easier to navigate. I think you're going to love it. Strangeplanet.ca. Scroll down to the bottom and you'll see Inner Sanctum. That's my free monthly newsletter. Click on that and register. Just your email. All I need is your email address, and then you'll start receiving Inner Sanctum every month for free, delivered right to your email inbox. And again, go to strangeplanet.ca, scroll to the bottom, and click on Inner Sanctum to register, and the July issue will be out very, very soon. We're back with Norman Traversy and his remarkable story. He is filing a private prosecution case against Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, for obstruction of justice and conspiracy to obstruct justice. Uh, This goes back to, uh, well, I guess about February of 2019, the SNC-Lavalin affair in which then-Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould says that she was uh, pressured to essentially withdraw prosecution from the uh, Montreal-based engineering giant SNC-Lavalin, and she later resigned and then was later kicked out of the party caucus. The ethics commissioner ruled that the prime minister was in violation of conflict of interest ethics. The uh, matter was then uh, handed over to the RCMP for investigation. However, that has really gone nowhere because uh, they can't investigate without cabinet meeting minutes, and those are being withheld from the RCMP. And so enter Norman Traversy, who decided to take matters into his own hands and uh, initiate this private prosecution, which is allowed under the criminal code. If the police will not act or are not able to act, then a private citizen has a right to do so. And uh, he filed a motion before the, uh, the Court of Justice in Ottawa. So you arrive at the court for your hearing and you're basically locked out of the courtroom. Pick it up from there, Norman, if you could. Okay, uh, we waited. Uh, the five of us, and around 11 o'clock or so, uh, a well-dressed woman in a business suit carrying a bunch of books came out, and she looked like a lawyer. 
so I, I approached her and I said, do you know anything about the Traversy versus Trudeau matter? And she said, yes, that was dealt with first thing this morning. And I said, do you know what happened? She said it was stayed. And I said, uh, can you tell me why? And she said, you'll have to ask the Crown Attorney. You'll have to explain what stayed means. So if a case has been stayed, what, is, what does that mean? Dismissed? Delayed? What? Stayed means put on hold. Got it. it. The matter can be reopened at any time. It means press pause. All right, but that, that was, was done. That was done with in your absence. Yes, it was out. Oh, and then uh, okay. So we waited until noon, and no one came out. And uh, around noon, I went and tried the door. The door was unlocked, and no one was in the room. They'd gone out the back way. They didn't want to face me. They'd gone out the back door. The Crown Attorney. The Crown Attorney and the judge and uh, I guess the uh, secretary or stenographer, whoever that is, the recorder, they'd all gone out the back way. So uh, I have a friend at the court who can get me transcripts, and I had that transcript uh, the same day. And the transcript uh, stated... Uh, it started at uh, at 9.30 when it was supposed to start. I was outside the door knocking on the door while this went on. It lasted less than five minutes, and they stayed it for lack of evidence using what they called the McHale Principle. McHale Principle is named after Gary McHale. It's from the Supreme Court of Canada, and I had Gary McHale standing next to me, the guy the principle is named after. And uh, it was stayed for lack of evidence. Well, we had a crate full of evidence right outside that door. They didn't want to open that door. And that was uh, basically rigging the Canadian election because if this would have been able to go forward, no matter what, Trudeau would not have won. I mean, he'd have been in court. Okay, so let me just back up here and pick up on some important points. It was stayed at 9.30, even though your court appearance was for 10.30. No, my no. court appearance was for 9.30. 9.30. But and you, you showed up and you didn't get in until 10.30 because they locked the doors. I didn't get in. Uh, yeah, they locked the door. Okay, so... And, uh, was, they couldn't have missed me knocking on that door. You know, I wasn't pounding on the door, but I was knocking. And they'd have heard that uh, during the proceeding. And it was stayed at 9.35. And, and which this means it's put on hold, it hasn't been dismissed, it can be reopened, and I am going to reopen it. So uh, that's where we're at now. I've waited six months since that happened because I've been told that if I fell too soon after that, it would be considered vexatious. Right, but I just want to pick up on a point here. It was stayed in your absence. Can they do that? That's is that correct. Is that legal? No, it's an obstruction of justice locking me out of a courtroom when I have a scheduled hearing. It's a blatant ob- obstruction of justice by the Ontario uh, Court of Justice and by the Attorney General of Ontario because they don't do something like that without instructions from higher up. And so they said that the, that it was stayed due to lack of evidence but had they looked at the evidence or was that with no, you no they had not they had not looked at the evidence that that hearing was for me to present the evidence 
that's my chance to say my story, present my evidence, and then they decide whether or not to go forward. And they did not look at my evidence. I never got to talk. It was a blatant obstruction of justice on the part of the Attorney General, the Ontario Court of Justice. Uh, I've got the name of the uh, judge that was there, and I've got the name of the Crown Attorney. And I will be charging them as well. But uh, this, I can't believe this is happening in Canada. And uh, they they cited the McHale principle. Again, this goes back to Gary McHale, political activist who has been, I guess, involved in a number of private prosecutions. You recruited him to assist you in this case. Do you know, can you tell us what the McHale principle is, what that refers to specifically? It refers to the amount of evidence required for a matter to go forward. Uh, I can't get very specific about it. Uh, I haven't really, you know, researched it, but that's what they quoted. Uh, Gary McHale successfully prosecuted the Attorney General of Ontario and won, and he also successfully prosecuted Julian Fantino, Commissioner of the OPP, and he won that one too. So I figured he must know what he's doing, and that's why I recruited him. And uh, I just said, you're the boss, I'll do what you tell me to do. And uh, they locked us out. And so then you went to the federal court. You yes, were looking for. The, yeah, go ahead. I went to the federal court, and everything is walking distance from where I live. And uh, I went to the federal court. They gave me a form. I filled it out, brought it back. They said I hadn't done it right. And I, I ended up going back and forth about three times before they said it was okay. And this is a writ of mandamus that you received? I, I didn't receive it. Ah. Uh, I was requesting a writ of mandamus. And a writ of mandamus is just legal. Uh, it's Latin for uh, do your job, <laughs> or I demand. And uh, I was requesting that uh, from the federal court to instruct the Ontario Court of Justice to do their job. And what I got back from the federal court was uh, we have no jurisdiction over the Ontario Court of Justice, which I found bizarre. Uh, I then went to the Ontario, uh, not the Ontario, the Canadian Human Rights Commission, and a complaint with the Ontario the Canadian Human Rights Commission uh, that I'd been discriminated against and that I was not uh, given access to the uh, judicial system and that in and I got a letter which I can provide from the Canadian Human Rights Commission stating that the Charter of Rights and Freedoms does not apply in the Ontario judicial system that sounds That's what it said. and <laughs> I mean have you have you received any legal advice on on that ruling is that true is that true apparently it is true and that that it, it only applies to federally regulated uh, businesses or enterprises or ministries, and the Ontario Court of Justice is, well, apparently Ontario is a separate country from Canada, <laughs> from from what I've found out. Or so it would uh, seem. I, or so it does seem. And I went to Elections Canada in person, and I said, look, this is uh, election tampering, by, uh, you know, protecting Trudeau from prosecution uh, just before the election, which obviously changed the result of the election, and uh, they they wouldn't touch it. 
They All won't right. go near it. Election. Norman, yeah. I've got to take another time out. We'll come back and uh, discuss further. Norman Traversy and his private prosecution case against Justin Trudeau fighting corruption in our courts right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Listening to the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We're back with Norman Traversy. So you got no satisfaction with the uh, the Court of Justice. They stayed the case in your absence, uh, which you have on legal authority is or legal advice is a, a criminal offense for that for the court to have done that. It is obstruction of justice. It's against the law. Uh, you sought remedy at the federal court seeking a writ of mandamus, which basically would tell the court of justice to do their job. The federal court said, no, it's not our jurisdiction. You went to the uh, Human Rights Council and they said they can't help you uh, because the uh, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms does not apply to the Ontario court system. Correct? That's correct. All right. So what's next then? Well, this is what happened. Um, people saw what was going on, and this network has organically grown from uh, just the occurrence uh, has got a lot of Canadians and Americans upset, very upset, and people are uh, offering their services. Uh, I've got a couple of investigators. Uh, I've got people that are putting me on the radio. I've got someone, uh, a company out west has designed a website for me called justiceforcanada.ca. And uh, they've done that. And uh, I've got all kinds of people helping me. I've got uh, forensic accountants that are looking into SNC-Lavalin. I've even got a retired two-star general down in the States that's helping me. Uh, President Trump knows what's going on. He's actually read documents about me. Uh, I know that because the general was there and handed him a couple of short documents which uh, President Trump read. He knows what's going on. He knows about what's going on with Trudeau. This is not going away. Uh, It's been just over six months. I'm going to refile stating I have new evidence. Well, they haven't even looked at any evidence, so of course it's all going to be new. And the whole thing's going to start again. Uh, I, I, if they don't unstay it or resume, then I'll file a new prosecution. And I've got legal help making sure it's done properly, which I didn't have before. And there are a group of thousands of us and a lot of retired RCMP are really miffed about this. So I've got some retired RCMP helping me as well. Uh, it's not going to go away, and we are going to win. And you're so also not, going. To, you're also going to take uh, legal action against the Justice of the Peace and the what the Crown Attorney who, at the yeah. Court of Justice because they stayed the case in your absence. Right? You're going to pursue that. They obstructed justice. And I'm also going to file a human rights complaint against the Attorney General of Ontario. 
for denying me justice. And we'll see where that goes. Apparently, these are very effective going to the uh, Human Rights Tribunal. Just let's spend a a few moments talking about this network that seems to be uh, growing around you. And people, again, they're seeing your videos and people interviewing you on YouTube. And and, uh, I I recently saw a a woman interview you on uh, Parliament Hill uh, just maybe a week ago, a week and a half ago. Uh, and that that video went viral. Now there is, I understand, a, a GoFundMe campaign that's um, sprung up. And um, but you mentioned some RCMP officers, and I understand that they are they are writing briefs, uh, in other words, police type documents uh, that that will also yes, be presented at the court. Well, they're writing they're writing uh, briefs for me, and they're making sure it's done properly. So it's going to have my name on the brief and my signature on it, but it's going to be drafted by retired RCMP officers, uh, so it's going to be uh, official-looking, anyways, and it won't be. It'll be correctly done because I've never written a brief, <laughs> right? But I have people that have. And you also so, have uh, you have uh, some some independent investigators out west that are also working on your behalf. Some grandmothers in Alberta. Yeah, I've got, I've got that. I've also got someone in Ontario, and it's grown. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of morphed to not just against uh, Trudeau, but against all the corruption that we've got in this country. It's it, I mean, we're number 12 in the world for corruption. United States is 34 or something. You know, we're, we're getting more corrupt by the day. And it's because Trudeau's enabling this. So uh, yeah, I've got uh, I've got people all over. Uh, apparently, the website is getting a lot of hits from Hong Kong, hmm. and uh, you know those people are interested in liberty as well. Oh, I'll say. And, all right, Norman, I have to take another time out. We'll come back and uh, uh, finish up with Norman Traversy and his private prosecution case against. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Back with more in a moment, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. Question everything. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Norman, give us the website again where people can find out more about uh, this case. It's justiceforcanada.ca not com but dot ca justice for and, uh, ca and also there's a gofundme campaign can you tell me about that yeah there's a link on there uh from the uh, justice for canada one but uh, if you just type in justice for trudeau and snc lavalin that's the name of the gofundme but there's there's a button on the justice for ca website where you just click on that and it takes you directly there now, I'm assuming people like Gary McHale, you know, they're not working for free. Are you are you uh, ringing up large legal bills at this point? Yes, I'm ringing up large bills. Like, uh, Gary McHale uh, is working for free. Ah, okay. And, uh, but I'm paying all his expenses, and I'm paying expenses of anybody else that's working on this. Well, I'm not. The GoFundMe is, which is the, you know, Canadians that have donated to this 
So anything that needs to be done, uh, we're having a march on the 1st of July, and we're going to need a sound system, things like that. Uh, we are going to gather, uh, not at Parliament Hill, because uh, Trudeau's cancelled uh, Dominion Day, but we're going to be gathering nearby, and then we're going to march when there's enough of us that the police won't be able to stop this. We're going to peacefully march to Parliament Hill, uh, stand in front of the, uh, the flame, and sing O Canada, and then we are going to march to the American Embassy, which is about four blocks away, and we're going to stand in front of the embassy, and uh, I've already been to the American Embassy, and I told them to expect uh, thousands of friendly people that are, are going to be there, and then the plan is for me to deliver a document to the American ambassador, or whoever they send to the door, and uh, outlining the corruption in Canada, uh, starting off with uh, Trudeau and his crimes and his corruption, and uh, going through to all the other issues that I won't go into right now. But the reason we're doing that on Dominion Day is that uh, the U.S. MCA comes into effect. Right, that's the replacement for the North American Free Trade Act. Yes. And Section 27.5 of that uh, treaty regards corruption and that they are not to uh, trade with countries that are corrupt and that any corruption that comes to, to view will be investigated. So I, it's my belief that that gives the FBI and the Mexican National Police the right to investigate uh, what's been going on up here, including with SNC-Lavalin. And that's the plan. So <laughs> it, they, they would be violating uh, this brand new treaty if they didn't investigate or at least get the RCMP to investigate and get back to the FBI. And that was put in specifically by President Trump. And he's the one that uh, spearheaded getting that in there. So right. That's, right. that's the plan. Now, in, in the meantime, you have friends that are retired RCMP officers. What are they telling you about the official RCMP investigation that has been stalled because of uh, basically cabinet privilege? In other words, they're not going to the cabinet, the liberal Trudeau cabinet is not going to hand over documents uh, to the RCMP. They're claiming privilege. So where is the RCMP investigation at? Is Are they basically going to shut it down or what's happening? What, what I was told by these retired RCMP officers, there never was an investigation. It, it never even got started and that they're using that as an excuse, as a way out. Fascinating. Yeah, there never was one. And, you know, Brenda Lucky would have shut that. Well, she didn't allow it to start. The commissioner so, uh, of the RCMP commissioner, Brenda Lucky, who uh, Trudeau hugged and kissed while she saluted him, you're saying that you're told that she would not allow that investigation to take place. That's what I've been told. So why do you think... It never even got started. Why do you think you have retired RCMP officers coming to aid and assist you? What do they they know? What do they tell you about what's happening inside the, uh, the RCMP and inside the criminal justice system in this country? What I've been told is that when you get to a certain level 
in the RCMP or the OPP, uh, you are no longer an honest person. And these are these are people that were honest. These guys that have been in touch and ladies that have been in touch with me, and uh, they're they're telling me things, but that's that's hearsay, isn't it? But that's what I've been told. So Brenda Lucky. I've been told, has absolutely no credentials for the job she's doing. And just give me the timeline then again. What's after July 1st, after you deliver the uh, the briefs to the uh, U.S. Embassy alleging corruption, and hopefully the FBI will then be forced under the provisions of the USMCA, they will be uh, forced under Section 27.5 to investigate or uh, ask the RCMP to investigate. Let's say that doesn't go anywhere, or that may be a long and drawn-out affair. You're in the meantime. You're going to go back to the Court of Justice. That's correct. I will. I'll go back to the Court of Justice, and this time when I go back, there won't be five of us. There'll be dozens, and uh, we'll file it. Uh, you know, they they don't allow cameras in there, but uh, there are lots of sneaky ways of getting cameras in there. And we'll have the whole thing videoed. Uh, you know, I've got a number of people in the Ottawa area that can put together YouTube videos. They're going to have to do something. Is this alleged corruption, is this unique to the Liberal government under Trudeau? Or is this, according to your RCMP contacts, has this been going on for some time? It's been going on for decades. I mean, we can, we can talk about the Avro Arrow, right? Sure, sure. I mean, that's that's very similar, isn't it? Large corporation. And, uh, you know, they, they bulldoze those planes. Well, that was under the orders of uh, Diefenbaker, wasn't it? That's correct. That's correct. Yep. It teach them a lesson. <laughs> so, so we used to have a, a major uh, airplane building uh, industry based in Malton and Mississauga. And now the only thing they've got left is a couple of planes mounted. <laughs> How, how do you see that as as a parallel to what's happening right now? I'm not sure I follow the uh, the example. I'm saying that the government and big business interacting. So SNC Lavalin, uh, you know, they got tens of thousands of jobs, and uh, if they would have been prosecuted successfully, then they would not have been able to uh, bid for any jobs with the Canadian government for ten years. So that was what was at stake. They'd have been out of business in Canada for 10 years. And that that's huge. Right, right. But then they shouldn't be buying yachts for dictators and buying prostitutes. That's human trafficking. Indeed. All right, again, Norman, the website and the GoFundMe campaign. Give us the details. Justiceforcanada.ca and Justice for Trudeau and SNC-Lavalin is the GoFundMe and uh, we're proceeding on this. Uh, it's not going to go away. It's going to be back in the uh, Court of Justice. It's going to be in the Ontario uh, Human Rights uh, Tribunal. And uh, whatever other method I can use. And in the meantime, there'll be a big protest on uh, July 1st, uh, marching towards Parliament Hill and then on to the U.S. Embassy. How many people are you expecting? Now, this is from the people. I'm not the organizer. Uh, but I will be there, and we're going to have a number of people speak. So we've got a stage, uh, a sound system. Uh, we're not supposed to be doing this, but we are going to do it. 
and uh, a number of uh, well-known people are going to be speaking, and I'm going to give a short speech and read the preamble to the, the document I'm going to be delivering, and it's going to be very peaceful, but from the people that I've been talking to that are organizing this, uh, I mean, we're even organizing food trucks, that uh, they're expecting well over 5,000. All right, Norman. Well, good luck. And um, I'd like to check in with you after July 1st and uh, get an update if that's possible. Oh, absolutely it's possible. Norman, thanks for your time. Thank you, sir. Dr. Jerome Corsi is next, discussing the plan to remove Donald Trump from the presidency. Stay tuned. <laughs> 